podcast. My name is Victoria Jones and I'm in the business of empowering people to become successful business owners. Through this podcast, I want to equip you with the knowledge and inspiration needed to take your own business to the next level, build your brand and fast track your entrepreneurial journey. I'll be interviewing the world's most successful business leaders, innovators and influencers. We'll delve deep into how they kickstarted their business, the tips they've learned along the way and reveal what it takes to succeed. It's a privilege to be interviewing Bahar today. She's uh, a successful entrepreneur, author of Rescue Me, mother, founder and editor of rescue.com.au and Rescue Me Academy. Bahar is an ambitious businesswoman on a mission to empower more people to be the best version of themselves. Through her no-nonsense advice, fearless attitude and bold personality, Bahar educates and inspires women on how to reinvent themselves and make positive changes to their lives. Bahar loves sharing her life lessons and I hope that you can learn from some of them in our interview today. Welcome, Bahar. Usually you're on the other side of the microphone interviewing. You've interviewed everyone from Miranda Kerr to Elle McPherson. I have. Dita Von (laughs) Teed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, It's so beautiful. What a gorgeous day, too. I know. It's lovely, isn't it? Nice setting. We're sitting in um, my Bondi apartment, which has lovely ocean views. So, yeah. It's heaven. Try and not get distracted. Yeah. Uh, Nice to be here. Let's do this. Um, how does it feel to be the interviewee? Oh, I love it, especially from you. And I really, I love this, um, the concept of your podcast as well. I think there's so many great podcasts. Um, I never get sick of um, hearing things that, you know, lessons that other people have learned in a bid to hopefully avoid um, having to do them in real life myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You hope that you can learn from people that have done it before, yeah. made the mistakes along the way. And, or, uh, or had the... Um, the joyful experience too because sometimes when you uh, when I listen to podcasts about people who've had like amazing things happen to them it kind of uh, I added to my bucket list of things I would like to achieve um, because sometimes you haven't even thought of something and somebody else is doing something really inspirational and you go you know what I might just add that to my bucket to-do list so um, hopefully I'll inspire you to avoid some things and I will also inspire you to try some things yeah well, you've had an amazing career, very interesting journey, haven't you, to get where you are? I have. Can you Can you talk us through sort of how you started and then some of the different, um, you know, reinventions that you've had along the way? Because, yeah, it's been a very um, eclectic career, hasn't it? It has been. I, I kind of, uh, you know, I think I was ahead of the curve um, because when I first graduated university, uh, I was 21 and... Um, I had a master's degree. I had an MBA when I was 21. I was the youngest ever MBA in Australia at the time. And um, it was a time where people went into careers. And um, I already thought to myself, and I already knew about myself, that I would have many different versions of um, a career and that anything was really possible for me. So um, I started off in, in an industry that I was super passionate about and I'm still really associated with and passionate about, which is the beauty industry. Um, and I went from there to working with someone who's one of my mentors still today. I worked for John McGrath at McGrath and, uh, when I was 23. Um, and that was just an incredible, incredible uh, learning ground for me and uh, really where I, I always say my real masters happened because I got to learn from a master and masters and uh, he was just one of those very, very generous teachers who took me along to 
big meetings and um, big deals being made and it just opened up my eyes and my experience to some really phenomenal things and his motto always was if you're good enough you're old enough and he would throw me into like some incredible opportunities and situations and just let me figure it out and and what I, did you do for him? What was your It role? was a marketing role. So I started off uh, in an assistant role to him on the sales side of things. And then I actually created a role for myself uh, on the marketing side of things uh, which for his now conference business. Um, so we created the first REC, which is now one of the world's biggest real estate um, conferences in the world. But, you know, 20, I think 22 years ago when we first started, it was me. I was 22. Um and we we just started it and sometimes that's the best way you just get totally thrown in yeah. in the deep end and then sink or swim isn't it sink or swim and it was brutal it was really brutal but it's really interesting because I think it was like 15 years later or 16 years later I had the people who owned the company of Arek and John uh, run my first conference for me the Rescue Me conference which I hosted in 2013 at the Hilton and John spoke at it and the people who uh, run Arek ran it for me so it was a beautiful full oh, circle. Oh that's a nice loop isn't it mm. to, to end with that mm. and do you think that's the best way to approach business you know sometimes I say people you know have to have everything perfect and in place before they launch their business but actually sometimes it's better just to you know, just to start, like just to, you know, nothing's going to be perfect. It's going to evolve. So I'm all about imperfect. The first business I ever started was a business called Brand Makers. And um, I had been engaged to my now first ex-husband, who was a very, who is a very phenomenal and successful man uh, in the financial world. And we're still great friends. Um, but I broke off my engagement. I left a very senior job with the Estee Lauder Group and I moved to Paris. Uh, and the reason I moved to Paris is that I was born in France and it had always been a dream of mine to go to Paris and go to the Sorbonne to study French. And I'd made a deal with uh, my ex that after he made his first million in his business, we would go and spend a few months in France and I would do a French course. And after he made several of his first millions, he decided he didn't want to keep his end of the bargain. <laughs> so I broke off the engagement. I quit my job. Because of that? Oh, yeah. There must have been... No, I really wanted to go and study <laughs> French at the Sorbonne. So I thought, you know what? I have worked hard all of my life and this is a dream for me and I'm going to back myself. So I threw myself a, a big goodbye party in Sydney and uh, moved to Paris. And um, very quickly I learned that it just wasn't enough for me to be a student at the Sorbonne. I was really bored and scratching around for something to do. And um, I'd read about this company in, in Bordeaux that made beauty products using um, the residue and the grape seeds from uh, wine. It was a, um, you know, Grand Cru estate called Cordelie. Anyway, I thought this would be an amazing brand to bring to Australia. So I contacted them and... Um, from my apartment in Paris and I said I'm an Australian distributor uh, and I would like to come and speak to you about becoming the distributor for your brand in Australia and you weren't a distributor at the time you just thought I, I was, can become one yes so I went <laughs> that's half the battle sometimes believing you can so I went and uh, a friend of mine who lived in London at the time was a graphic designer and she made me fake business cards 
And I picked a name and I called it Brand Makers because I thought it sounds really impressive and it's going to make a brand. Um, I got my brother in Australia to get a SIM card so I'd have a business phone number. So I made a business card with fake phone number, a business name. And um, I asked my then flatmate to come to the first meeting as my marketing manager. <laughs> Perfect. But the morning that I was meant to have this grand meeting with this amazing company, their export manager, I dropped a marble coffee table on my foot and I broke three toes. <gasps> oh, no. So I was in excruciating pain and I was hobbling and the French have quite judgmental on appearances and it was the first time I was meeting these people. And I thought, if I hobble into this meeting, the meeting is already lost. <laughs> so I changed the meeting from being at their offices to a restaurant near their offices in the 16th. I got there first with my flatmate. I sat down and... In so excruciating pain. In excruciating sure. pain so that when they walked into the meeting, I would just have to stand up where I was. And I looked fantastic. I had my hair done. I had great makeup. Anyway, I had this meeting and they said, oh, well, the owners, the founders would love to invite you to Bordeaux to meet them, to progress the discussions. Anyway, long story short, I left that meeting. I went to a public payphone in France, in the Marais. I rang my friend who was the then general manager of cosmetics at David Jones and I said, listen... I think I have the rights to this incredible brand, Cordelie. Do you think you would want it for David Jones? And he said, yeah, if you can get it, we'll take it for nine stores. So when wow. I had the meeting with them, I said to them, I can get you into nine stores immediately into Australia. And they gave me the distribution rights. And um, Make it easy for them to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I came back and... Um, I launched the brand from my living room. I hosted my first strategy meeting with David Jones in my living room. Uh, I did a French lunch for them. And I, I just used everything that I had rather than waiting for anything to be right. And I've done that all my life. I've just turned up. And I really believe you just have to turn up. Waiting for perfection is just so false. Like, if you want to start an Instagram account, you have no followers, start with one. If you want to start a podcast and no one is listening, publish for yourself. Um, you know, when I started Rescue as a publishing business, I didn't even know if anyone was reading it. When I started my YouTube <laughs> yeah. channel, Rescue TV, I really didn't know if anyone was watching it. But and did you care? Because lots of people hit a block then. I know I've had it myself too. Sometimes you're like, oh, they're scared to put themselves out there. Did I you? wrote a book treatment and wrote the outline to the first eight chapters, I think five years before I had a book deal. I just, I prepare for everything that I want to happen in my life and I don't, I just, I'm ready to go when the opportunity comes and sometimes I create the opportunity myself and some things work and some things don't work and that's fine. So you're not afraid of failure. I think that's a really important point. Like you... I never even think of it as failure. I'm not self-conscious. What I would say to anyone is forget about this failure business because that's so extreme and so intense. No one wants to fail. But what I would say to you is just don't be self-conscious. Like... It's like trying trying an outfit on. It's not permanent. Or it's like trying a new haircut. You're not having plastic surgery. Yeah. Trying a business idea or trying something new in your existing business. It's just trying it. Yeah. And I think approaching it being playful, like, okay, I'm gonna try this and see how it works and and not being too prescriptive because I've seen lots of people 
know, start their own business, it has to be a certain way. But business evolves, doesn't it? I'm sure, you know, being in the publishing industry, like when I first met you, I was working as a journalist at Yahoo 7 as the lifestyle editor. And I remember you came in and I really admired you. One, because I wanted to start my own business myself, but also because... You know, there we were at Yahoo 7 with a team of about 20 of us producing content and stories, and you were just doing it all yourself. You started the brand, you were building it. Do you know, when I started Rescue, it was on the back of absolute desperation. My business brand makers grew. It grew to having 36 different brands. I had an exclusivity arrangement with David Jones. I um, had 30 brands at David Jones uh, in five years. And then I expanded into the pharmacy market. I was in nearly 2,000 pharmacies with my brands. And then the global financial crisis hit in 2008. And three of my big brands had gone bankrupt in America and not even told me. And I had orders from Priceline and Target for four, 500 stores. And I was waiting for shipments to come in from companies who'd closed their doors and not told me. And literally, um, my world crumbled in about, uh, after six years of business, my world crumbled in two weeks. I got margin called by National Australia Bank on three financial currencies on the um, euro the US dollar and um, the pound. And I owed the bank, I think it was $500,000. And they oh said gosh. I had two weeks to pay them. And in order to come up with the $500,000, I had to liquidate every asset that I had. And to liquidate assets really quickly actually costs you money because you have to pay out contracts. So by the time I came up with the $500,000 to give back to the NAB, to you not go bankrupt, I actually got myself $960,000 into debt because I didn't want to not pay anyone and I didn't want to go bankrupt. So I was 35. I'd had my business brand makers for, I think, seven years at that time. I was $960,000 in the hole. Uh, I was divorced for the, uh, and remarried for the second time. And I honestly, like, I remember just thinking everything that I have worked for in my life, everything that I think that I am has come undone. And it was actually one of the darkest moments of my life. It was, it was so humbling uh, and so terrifying. And the only thing I could really do was make a decision as to, you know, what I was going to do with it. And I... Everyone told me to go bankrupt. My bank manager pulled me aside and whispered to me, go bankrupt, no one will blame you. And I just knew in my gut that that wasn't me. It's just, it's not my style. And I thought, if I've made these millions of dollars before, I can make these millions of dollars again. Yeah. It's I'm the same me. The circumstances crap right now, but... I'm still the same me. And as weak as I felt and as devastating as it was and as humiliating and humbling as it was, you know, I surrendered, I guess. I surrendered to the pain. And literally every single thing that I owned, I had to give up. Everything. And I went from flying first class all over the world, being, you know, in every magazine, being... Uh, on TV, uh, glossing around, you know, uh, traveling four or five times a year to having to sell my car, 
to having to move into a place that I wouldn't move into even as a uni student. Gosh, uh, it's amazing how your whole world, you know, you've constructed this life and it can just go in an instant. It's in an instant. And it was just so, um, it was such a wake-up call for me and I've never forgotten it because people um, really, really rely on um, the material possessions and the manifestations of wealth and the, um, you know, the symbols of, of success. And I realised in that time, and it was about a process of about three months, that none of that stuff matters. And the only thing you take with you is you. Yeah, and maintaining that strong sense of identity. And, and at the same time, I was trying to get pregnant, couldn't get pregnant. What a surprise, because I was under so much stress. And I remember going to my obstetrician and he said, you know, I think you have endometriosis. We need to give you an operation. Um, the gap for it is going to be $860. And I remember bursting into tears and having convulsions. And he said, what's wrong? And I said, I don't think I have $860. And I remembered the shame that I felt because I used to buy shoes that were $2,000, like just months earlier. And now I didn't have $860 to cover the gap for the surgery I needed to clean up my ovaries to have a baby. Yeah. And um, he looked at me, he was so beautiful. And he said, you know, um, you can have it in a public hospital and I can get the registrar to do it and I'll supervise it. And I just remember that being really the lowest moment in my life. And I thought, wow, this is super humbling. Anyway, long story short, I had my operation. I paid for the gap. Uh, I think my mum gave me the money. And um, I had a baby. Um, and I got back up again. And Is it, that when things started to turn around? When, you when I was in hospital. Um, so I rebuilt myself. I rebuilt Rescue from scratch. Rescue used to be an online store for my cosmetic business. I had nothing to sell on it anymore, so I turned it into a publishing business. And I literally had to start with nothing. So I asked every single famous person that I've ever met along the way if they would contribute to my publishing business as uh, a writer for Rescue. So I had Alex Perry, John McGrath, Anthony Bell, Joe Bailey. Um, Experts in different fields from yeah. finance to beauty to... Everything. And I thought, you know, people... People have an appetite to learn from experts and these are the people who've changed my life and perhaps these people would be willing to share their stories and their advice. And so ex so Rescue's tagline became expert advice for a fabulous life and Rescue rescued me and Rescue really transformed my life. And, you know, and that's the purpose for other people. You want it to um, yeah. help rescue and empower other people yeah. too, don't you? Yeah. And did, I mean, from that whole experience, what, what did you learn? What... What were the biggest lessons you took away from hitting rock bottom? That there, unless you're dead, there really is no rock bottom. Um, because it's only if you're dead you can't get up. So uh, if you've got breath in your body, um, there's something you can do. And if you don't want to start your own business, that's, that's fine. And you know what? When I was $960,000 in the hole, I had to pay back the bank $8,500 a month. So I consulted... I started selling advertising because I had a database for rescue when I used to have the beauty store. Uh, I left no stone unturned. and You become so resourceful, don't you? And when I you asked for help it. and people love to help. That was the other really nice lesson that I learned. People love to help you. And, and if you ask for help, people will help you. And you have to actually really be vocal about it and say, 
would you consider helping me do this? Or um, do you remember that time that I helped you? Do you think you can now help me? And now it's so funny because, you know, that, that was about 10 years ago and I built up Rescue to be like a, one of the first uh, independent publishing sites and it became so successful. And some of my interns are now editors of and publishers in their own right and so successful and I'm so proud of them because obviously the things that I learned from my mentors I was able to pass on to them them. and you know being part of that energy they learned something yeah and I think that's a really important point is that support network getting people around you when you're starting a business and growing it that can support you along the way and you you know you can learn from them you can share skills I know that you know, contra deals can can work in the beginning when you, you might need a graphic designer. Um, I know, in, you know, and I was a writer when I first started, so then I did some writing for them and they designed a logo for me. So it doesn't actually have to be money that exchanges hands if you don't have the money to pay for them. You can yeah. use your Absolutely. services. And, you know, the other thing that I did learn, interestingly enough, is some things are absolutely worth paying for and some things are false economy to try to do yourself. So... You know, there are some uh, skills that it really is worth saving up for and and paying for it. So it might be bookkeeping. Yeah. If that's going to, if it's going to take you days and days and days to do your books, you can find a bookkeeper for fifty, sixty dollars an hour, and they can do the same work in four hours. So it's actually false economy because you can get out there and make more than that money. Um, and you have to really, you know, one of my mentors is uh, is a life and business coach called Dr. Fred Gross, and he's actually in my book, Rescue Me. I ended up writing a book called Rescue Me that was published uh, by HarperCollins um, Harlequin Books, and it's a life makeover book. And Dr. Fred talks about dollar productive uh, activity, and he always says, you know, you have to really figure out what your dollar productive hourly rate is. And anything that's lower than what your hourly productive rate is, you have to outsource. So for me, cleaning, I outsource. Cooking, I outsource. Mothering, I don't outsource. <laughs> yeah. I do all the mothering. I, you know, I've had, uh, my daughter is now eight. She's never had a babysitter. She's never had a nanny. I do the drop-offs. I do the pickups. I stay home if I can't have a family member look after her because... Uh, but all the other things that prevent me from doing something that I consider to be valuable, which is mothering, I outsource. And I need to work. So cleaning is my own house is silly when I can outsource that for 30 bucks an hour. Uh, I need to work a little bit later. So cooking is, I think, something I can outsource, which I do. Um, so, yeah, just figure out, you know, what are the key things that really make a difference? Uh, do those yourself. Uh, do the things that you're good at and then outsource everything else. Yeah, I think that's how you can grow too because you know lots of business owners try and hold on to doing everything and they, there's a little bit of a trust thing there. Like, do they trust someone else to go and yeah, yeah. do that for them? So I think, you know, looking at where your weaknesses are and don't try and, you know, try and do all those things. Yeah, outsource. And also, I think upskilling too. You know, some things you need to learn, don't you, when you start oh, your own yeah. business. like. And I think there's so many great platforms now that, you know, that so technology is amazing. I know with Zero, that actually, um, you know, it's like a built-in accountant bookkeeper, really. And so my bookkeeper will go in, but everything's there. So she doesn't have to spend as much time going through all my accounts. Yeah, and, you know, I remember when I first started Rescue, um, I, I built it on some 
super complicated platform. And in the end, we ended up moving Rescue onto WordPress because then anyone could really work on it. And, you know, we have over 15,000 articles uh, on Rescue. It's a massive website. It's got an incredible amount of resources on it. Um, And, you know, just uh, letting go of complications has been like one of those things for me. When I started my YouTube channel, I literally started it. I had my laptop on my bed one night. I started it. I put some videos up on it that I had filmed on my phone. And now, you know, we've had over four, five million views. Uh, I've got over 10,000 subscribers on the uh, YouTube channel and I don't even really try there. And it's not, yeah, it's not high production nope. values. And I think people want to see... And I got better and better you. with the production. You know, uh, when I launched Rescue Me Academy, which is our online learning com- uh, company, uh, we create like really beautifully curated content education courses. So we have a relationship course called uh, Reignite Your Relationship with Annie Gert and we have a makeup course called Be Your Own Makeup Artist. That content is beautifully shot, beautifully produced. YouTube content, which is free, not so much, no. Yeah, I think people relate to that. People quite like to see, you know, everything not being super, you know, super perfect because they relate to it a lot better. And I think it goes into what we were saying before about personal branding and now there's these very heavily (laughs) edited constructed pictures of people particularly on Instagram that you know have been heavily edited and and it's like going back to the days I remember in magazine journalism where we would photoshop everyone like just you know it's this idea of perfection I think now people actually want to see vulnerability in people they want to you know see that valuable side Um, and I think you have a very strong brand and that you're very authentic and you're very open about your experiences, the ups and downs. How do you maintain that strong personal brand, that sense of identity? Because I don't think of myself as a brand. And, you know, we were talking about this before. This over-curation of self, to me, is a slightly narcissistic trend. and, um, And it doesn't let anyone get to know the real you and connect with the real you. And in my experience... All of my longest-term friendships, relationships, business contacts, I've met at the point of being the absolute real me. And all the people that I met as the polished, curated, perfect me fall by the wayside. And so on the subject of personal branding, it's very um, popular at the moment. It's it's very much a buzzword at the moment. And, you know, there are a lot of consultants and, um, uh, you know, helpful courses and content around this. The only thing I would say about it is you don't want to be someone who creates what's nothing more than a Bumble profile of yourself. You want to be the person that turns up six months into the relationship, the real you. And you want to be able to, you know... Uh, for lack of a better analogy, wake up next to your beloved with no makeup on and they still love you. And I think all this over-curation of your messaging, of who you are, what you stand for, uh, who you've been, where you're going, if you edit out all of your flaws, if you edit out all of your vulnerability, if you edit out all your mistakes, you're not real. Yeah, you need to put that. All we say to people, part of your brand is putting that all in because that's that's the secret sauce. My secret sauce is I'm an immigrant. My secret sauce is I wasn't pretty in my teens. 
My secret source is I've been divorced twice. My secret source is I've had my heart broken. My secret source is I've broken hearts. My secret source is I had problems getting pregnant. I've nearly bankrupted myself. My secret source isn't that I have my hair blow dry twice a week. I look great in a bikini. I have a Birkin bag. That's that's the const- the construct. That's the curated version of me. The the thing that has you know given me um, gunpowder to get up and do things. The thing that has opened doors for me. The things that's burst my heart open. The things that have helped has helped me help other people. Is is all the little realnesses of me and I only like to meet people with realnesses and I you know whenever I'm around people who are hiding behind all of the perfect I I just want to give them a hug these days I just think well you can tell you see straight through it really don't you can see it's this I just want to yeah I just I, I feel like you know why use why are you using brands why are you using words to cover up yeah and I think you know for people starting their own business or you know go take going on that journey you know look at you know what really drives you what resonates with you I think not comparing yourself to competitors is is so important because it's such a waste of energy well you you know your competitors are in their own lane and you're in your own lane and especially with digital business everyone can find their little niche or their little nook and I always found keeping my blinkers on and not looking too far left or right has really saved me because you can get jealous, you can get deflated, you can feel not good enough, uh, you can get sidetracked by other people's behaviour. And also I think it leads to plagiarism, subconscious plagiarism. And I think if you don't look too far left or right, you can just be yourself and you know find your own tribe. Yeah, I think look at people... Um, like inspirational leaders and business owners that where you want to get to like they they should be your inspiration not you know your competitors and in different fields you know what I mean like uh, if you're for example um, you know uh, making handbags for example and you're launching a, a handbag business you don't just have to learn about all the competitors in that industry there are so many parallel um entrepreneurs and experts and inspirational people like you were saying that can teach you this one little thing and I think uh, to have that breadth um, and to read and to watch and to learn and to listen to all sorts of different things and and just keep a journal of like little snippets that inspire you and motivate you and little quotes and I mean you can share them then on your Instagram and building your brand too do you have you've interviewed so many incredible um, people along the way is there someone that you know, your favourite interview or a celebrity or that's really given you inspiration or some great advice? I think one of the things that I um, realised from interviewing some of the most beautiful women in the world, you know, I've interviewed Elle McPherson, uh, Miranda Kerr, Dita Von Teese, uh, Eva Longoria, um, it's, it's so, many, so many beautiful women and um, supermodels, uh, Rosie Huntington, they're all people, they all have vulnerabilities and um, the most successful of them work on the different layers of themselves. Um, what and do you mean by that? The diff- they, they have this sense that, they're not, uh, that they are layered so they don't rely on just the pointy end of what's made them successful. 
Um, they have m many feathers in their cap and, um, you know, they've cultivated different aspects of themselves. I remember speaking to Eva Longori and, uh, you know, her beauty is so impressive and, you know, she she's a, a great advocate for women's rights. And But, you know, she, she went back to university. She has a master's um, degree in, uh, I think, Mexican studies. Uh, she's incredibly well-read. Um, you know, that was really interesting to me. Uh, you know, Miranda Kerr... Uh, has completely reinvented herself. You know, uh, everyone knows her as being a model, but, you know, she's a really successful businesswoman. She, she's very savvy. Well, with her Cora Beauty line. Her Cora a, Beauty yeah, line. And she was really, you know, committed to the organic skincare movement long before it became fashionable. Um, and she knew that her uh, beauty asset is going to be something that... that evolves and changes and fades and, you know, needs to be parlayed into lots of different things. And, you know, she was really quick to establish herself as a, as not just a model for other brands, but uh, the, you know, the owner of her own brand. Um, yeah, I, so many people, you know, Elle McPherson, I think, you know, with her uh, 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 Welco business, you know, uh, she, she didn't just want to be known for the Elle McPherson she was she you know she's really celebrating who she is and who she's becoming and I, th I yeah, think with her Welco for people that listening that don't know that's a is it a protein powder or uh, it's a uh, it's a line of products now but it was a, a superfood supplement yeah uh, that she created and then now she has protein powder and other things but you know I, I think it's it's so interesting I mean these people you know they do have they've got the um, profile already to, to help launch their... But there are so many people with profiles that don't use it. So to me, that what stuck out yeah. about these ones is they didn't live in the past and that's what I think. You know, I, I'm 45 now. I could sit here and bleat about my glory days of, you know, my past successes, but I actually think the best is yet to come. I really believe that. It's one of my favourite quotes. I have it written everywhere. Uh, I have two quotes that I have written everywhere. I have I am enough uh, on my mirror and I uh, do I am enough meditations with my daughter. And the other thing is the best is yet to come because I honestly believe like every day is New Year's Day. And, you know, that's something I talk about in my book, A Rescue Me. Feeling grateful every day. And, and no, any gratitude. day is New Year's Day. You don't have to wait for the 1st of January to write your goals. You don't have to wait to reinvent yourself on a specific day. Today can be the day that you start something new. Today can be the day that you fix something. Today can be the day that you accept something. Today can be the day that you let go of something. Yeah, and start making those, yeah. you know, I mean, that's what we want to do, isn't it? Both of us is inspire people to Yeah, and be inspired. Making these changes mm -hmm. and... Um, little and things, little, little things. You know, today can be the day that you don't eat chocolate after dinner. Today can be the day that you write your first blog post... And you don't have to publish it. Just write it. Today could be the day that you make one phone call to a retailer that can stock the thing that you're making. You don't have to wait for a perfect day. Because be otherwise you get overwhelmed. I know if I write a big to-do list for that day, you get overwhelmed and you sort of get stuck and you don't work your way through it. But if you just say, I'm just going to do one thing today just that's going to really make a shift in my life or my business... It re you know it's it's a lot more feasible, isn't it? And you're more likely to do it, I think, because yeah. it's yeah, you know, you're making those one one step to build to and to work towards something. Like, do you have a 
you know an end goal or a you know it's particularly with you know rescue. I do I do write goals for myself but they're evolving um so uh, I write goals um just before New Year's and then I do um it's Iranian New Year on the 21st of March and I'm Iranian so I give myself another shot at goals in Iranian New well, that's Year good. <laughs> the ones that yeah <laughs> they need constant tweaking they goals. do need constant tweaking um but more than goals, uh, I, I have, like, uh, things that I'm inspired by. And I think, you know, things that make you feel good are your natural goals. And things that um, are hard to do are, are not the right goals. Things that don't make you feel inspired are not your natural goals. So, um, you know, what? I'll, I'll say something, like, really funny. I never exercised in my life, ever. And... Uh, I was just never really inspired to exercise and no amount of information about how it could make you look or feel or whatever inspired me. But for whatever reason, I always wanted to... uh, I was always sad that I didn't learn how to play tennis when I was little. And I decided two years ago that I was going to learn tennis. And I signed up with my friend and we've been going to tennis coaching every Thursday for the past two years. We never skip a beat. Unless the coach cancels, we turn up. And... You know, it took me 43 years to do that. And, you know, I've stuck to it because I felt inspired to do it, not because my parents paid for me to have tennis lessons, not because it was the right thing to do, not because it was the trendy thing to do. And I think the things that feel right, the things that just kind of, you know, burn a little fire in your belly, they're the real goals. Yeah, Yeah. they're they're your goals. And being driven by a mission as well. So many successful people are very mission-driven and they have... A strong sense of purpose yeah do you have a, a mission I know you speak a lot about empowering people to to reinvent themselves and to educate themselves and you know take ownership of their you know their life yeah is um, that what would be your I think the the mission for rescue is different to the mission for myself I guess the rescue platform is a platform for inspiration and education um I'm really aware of the doors that education has opened up and I think education comes in so many different forms. Uh, You know, I've had a formal university education but, you know, since I was little I used to sign up for courses. When I was 15 I signed myself up for a TAFE course and I used to go after school to learn how to type. I don't know why I wanted to learn how to type but thank God I did because now I have a publishing business and if I have to write articles I can touch type. Um... I've always self-educated. So Rescue is about inspiration and self-education and my mission is to uh, give people um, content and um, opportunities and access to experts that will inspire and educate them. So that's the Rescue mission. My own personal mission is to stay inspired and educated. Yeah, I think that's a really good one, a good point to end on as well, I think, for people out there that want to educate themselves and learn more you should definitely jump on um, to rescue.com.au it's rescue without an e so rescu.com.au and you can find rescue me academy and all of our little um offshoots there as well thanks for her and we just end with the final five questions that we ask um, everyone we interview just whatever comes to your head first mm. quick fire questions the biggest challenge or hurdle that you've overcome Uh, When I immigrated to Australia and I couldn't speak English. A daily habit that helps you stay motivated. Gratefulness. Advice to your younger self. You're beautiful. You're going to smash it. (laughs) A good habit or skill to develop in business. 
letting go of what you think you want the outcome to be. And finish this sentence. An influencer is dot, dot, dot. Someone who inspires their inner circle. Thank you. Um, And for everyone listening, stay tuned for more upcoming interviews and advice from inspirational business owners. Please subscribe uh, to Upsiders Podcast. And if you want to turn your business dreams into reality and become the go-to expert in your industry, then to find out more about our coaching and business programs, email me at vic at upsiders.co. Thanks, everyone, and thanks for her. Thank you, Vic.